you know, that's a scripture-focused family that disciples Christians in grace and truth in order to impact the community for the gospel of Christ. And, and, and so we're going to talk this morning about being wise with drugs because uh, families talk about these things and families care for one another. And so we're going to see that even in Proverbs 31 as we look at that together. Um, because, we, because it's also another way of being practical and applying what we've been talking about with wisdom in a couple of areas so you can see it being applied. The, the trepidation to applying these things in some ways is that you can, sometimes it's better to have a conversation than a monologue, right? And so I'm going to monologue here a little bit about these issues and kind of help you to think them through. But, but if you're like, man, I'm not sure what he was trying to say there, they definitely approach me and, and talk because... Uh, because I think there's, there's plenty of room for um, potential misunderstanding. Because I'm going to, in a sense, in some ways, paint with a broad brush here. And at the same time say, look, there's a problem in our, in our cities, in our communities, in our families uh, of, of the uh, misuse of, of drugs in various ways, whether they're uh, legal drugs or not. Uh, some, some statistics, 11.7% of Americans in the over 12, that is 13 plus age groups, are regular users of illegal drugs, okay? That's t- over 10%. Um, and these are like within the last, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 statistics. Um, in 2017, 67.8% of drug overdose deaths were from op- opioids, right? So that the heroin, um, that, that kind of, uh, there's a, opioids is a broad range of drugs, but it's, it's all those drugs that kind of calm you down and, and, and kind of take, take you, in a sense, to another place emotionally. Um, so there, in 2019, 43% of college students reported using marijuana, the highest rate since 1983, right? So um, back when, uh, you know, drugs were much more common and, and, and some of their effects were not so well understood. Um, yeah, and so we're headed back that direction in a lot of different ways. Um, 75% of drug overdose deaths in America over the age of 50 is from opioids. So this isn't just um, you know, list those, those deaths from opioids, right? Um, 75% are from, from people age 50 and older. So this isn't just a young person problem, right? This is people who get... Uh, hooked on prescription drugs, etc., and get, get caught into those things, and it can be a, a real a trap for them. 15 million Americans have an alcohol use disorder, and only 8% of these people will get treatment. So, so that's, that's not very many people, right? 8% of 15 million. We, we, we have a problem in our society of the, the, just the, the unwise use of drugs, and here in Proverbs 31, I just want to read this passage together and notice some of the things that it says, because I think Proverbs 31 is designed to give us wisdom about how we can approach this area in a broad stroke sense, but give us good practical wisdom for how to approach it. So um, as, we, as we go through this, my, my encouragement to you is to think carefully, think biblically, and I'll just maybe give you some definitions here. So um, when we talk about drugs, I'm, I'm being broad. I'm, I'm saying anything that can affect uh, the body in general and, and, and in some ways control your, control your body, okay? So I'm being deliberately broad um, uh, on purpose because I think we need to think, we need to think not so much in the categories of like, okay, well, this is a legal drug, this is an illegal drug, 
but we need to think in terms of biblical categories. Like God, God made, you realize that God made substances that, um, that take care of the body in extremis for a reason, right? I mean, he, he put us on the earth, and he, he, even before the fall, Eden was uh, a beautiful place, but it wasn't necessarily safe. You could still break a leg. You could still, you could still be in need temporarily. There's a lot, of, a lot of things about the earth as God created it. it was, it's, not, it's not heaven that we're headed toward. It, was, it wasn't that. And so there, were, there, there are materials and substances in, in the, the way God made the, the earth in order to take care of us when our body is in extreme circumstances and when our mind is in extreme circumstances. And we should, that's a blessing from God, but it can be abused, right? It can be mistreated. And uh, so I'm approaching it from that standpoint, right? I'm not trying to say what's illegal and what's not. I'm not trying to get into that kind of debate. I'm not really not getting into the, the what's recreational to use and what's I'm pretty much sticking to the kind of the medicinal side of how, how do we use these things wisely? Because I think in today's world, we need wisdom on that, and we need to teach our children wisdom in this as well, as we'll see from Proverbs 31. So follow along. Proverbs 31, starting in verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. It just, just right up front, right? Just some observations. First, this is uh, Proverbs 31 is, in a sense, a mother talking to her son, and it's now uh, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, whatever version of this is, is now the Holy Spirit inspired this so that we could gain wisdom from it. God wants us to hear it, and, but it's, this, it's, it's in this, this setting, and, and Proverbs overall is, is set in a setting where, um, in a sense, it's set up for families to be talking about these things with one another. Parents to talking about their children. It's, you know, it's my son, my son, my son. And obviously in Proverbs, the, that son can be broader and it more, feels more, sometimes more like a school setting than a family setting. But both are applicable in the sense that you're passing on wisdom about how to live and how to approach life in a successful way. And it's done most often in a family setting. Parents talking to their children about these things. And usually, in the, the, the topics of Proverbs are, it, it seems like it's, it's in that 5th, 6th, 7th grade, right before the bar mitzvah. Like in Jewish culture, you had this son of the covenant procedure where they would, they would have the, 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 the Pentateuch memorized so they could say the law and they could, they, they could have it, in a sense, written. They have their own written copy of it if they could get that done. And and so th- these are things that it's all in this area, that time frame of that five, six, seven, what we would consider middle school overall, where people, they're, they're, the parents are now talking to these children, their children about how to live life and how to think through these issues really before you start to run into them in, in great depth. Why? Because you, you say, some people would say, well, we shouldn't talk about these things because you're going to raise up things. No, as we're going to see from, from this passage, it's wise to talk about them ahead of time because you frame it biblically, and you frame their desires better rather than getting uh, other things to, to provoke their desires in, in wrong ways. So what does he say here, this oracle from his mother? What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? So she starts off and she's like saying, well, where do you focus? Where are you headed here? <laughs> you know, just like a if you, if you, if you parent a, a fifth, sixth, or seventh grader, you're often asking this question, you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Okay. Uh, um, 
Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and, the, and wine to those in bitter distress, lest, the, lest, lest they drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute and for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Now she goes on and, and talks to her son about uh, what a good wife looks like, in a sense. Here's, your, here's the thing. But we're going to focus on this first one. In a sense, which this mother is approaching her son and saying, hey, there's things that can destroy you. You need to be aware of those things. And you need to pursue your responsibilities in life, not just for yourself, but for other people. You, you're you're going to have responsibilities to other people in your life, and you need to pursue those well. And specifically here, as we think in, in, this, in this topic, I want to notice kind of three things about, about how this works, especially as we think about, especially the main topic here is not being destroyed by drugs. First of all, what I want you to notice is notice the need for a compassionate use of drugs and justice. Notice the need for compassionate use for drugs and injustice. It says here, give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. So here, here we have this kind of compassionate use. It, it, it's, it's in a sense, she's saying, look, there's a place for these things to come in and provide relief. Especially, she kind of lists two two separate areas. The first one would be uh, physical pain, right? The one who's dying. And, and I realize in our culture, we do this already. So we don't see people dying in the pain they experience normally, but people when they're dying are usually in a great deal of pain, right? And she's saying, look, there's a place for this, especially for those who are dying to alleviate their pain. And she talks about physical pain, but then she broads it out to emotional pain, those who are in bitter distress is the word she uses here. The idea is someone who's, who's despairing, who's, who's got, the, the, their emotions have taken over them. They are, they're feeling the distress of life in various ways. Now, can I just point out some things about this, right? The Bible overall approaches these areas and says there's a medicinal use for these things. You think of First Peter uh, 1 Timothy 5.23, where Paul's talking to Timothy, and he's saying that no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and for your frequent ailments. He's saying, hey, there's a place for these things. The body, a finite body, sometimes requires aids to maintain health. And not only to maintain health, but then also, to especially, in Proverbs 31, to help in extreme circumstances, Right? And he's not saying in Proverbs 31, okay, this is a free beer for the masses. Okay, you know, you know get everyone up to a 0.07 blood alcohol limit, you know, just to the legal limit, and then the, the, we'll just take care of everybody's pain that way. That's not what he's saying, because frankly, get your, you know, that's not, you don't forget your misery necessarily at 0.07. <laughs> Maybe you could, I don't, but usually it's, it's somewhere over. It's, it's, we're not talking about legalities here. We're talking about alleviating pain and doing what it takes to alleviate pain. And, and so, as, as believers in Christ, we, we, and especially as when we understand we live in God's world, this is the world God has made. He made our bodies finite. 
You know what? Jed just mentioned it earlier. <laughs> he cut off a finger. He just, it was just like this, you know, like the little sliver of skin at the tip of his finger. And Dave's like, get over it, you wimp. You know what I mean? <laughs> And, and he's like, no, I'm in pain, you know, and it was, it's painful, right? When you're in pain, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to alleviate the pain, and that's not wrong to alleviate the pain. And like he said, it's both physical pain and emotional pain that he's going through. And for a lot of times, when we go through life, we can, you know, stub our toe or whatever, and we don't need to take medicine or drugs to alleviate the pain, but sometimes you do. And it's, you're not wrong. Let me just be clear here. You're not, you're, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you if you need to do that. This world is not a safe place. It's a broken place. And it wasn't designed for us to, to, for, to not go through certain levels of difficulty. And God put things in his world to help with those things. So it's not wrong to take advantage of what God has given to us. But also notice that Lemuel's mom here doesn't just say, just give, give drugs and that's it. No, he says, she says, the, the bigger issue you often have with pain is not the immediate pain, it, but to take care, you need to take care of that, but it's the long-term pain. And most often, especially in the role of king, the, the, the pain that you're alleviating is the pain of injustice. Notice what she goes on to say. Open your mouth for the, for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. We have, within this area of life, there's going to be pain, and one of the greatest pains is the pain of injustice. People treat you wrong. Things don't go the way they should. People take advantage of you. And, and here, Lemuel's mom is saying, look, make sure if you're in this role of king, and, and evidently he was because... <laughs> He says the words of King Lemuel. He says, when you, when you get into this role, realize that you're not just alleviating short-term pain, you're leaving a long-term pain. And the best way that you can do that is justice. To pursue helping find justice in life. You know, and in, in regards to this area, what, what, what I want you to notice is that this emotional pain especially is, is something that arises. It, it you can, as a parent, you can provide a great environment for your children. You can, be, you can be loving, you can be kind, you can be just. But that doesn't mean that there's not some area in their life where they might get miserable. They might feel like, ah, things aren't right. Things aren't the way I want it to be. And the best thing that you can do, just like she does here, is to talk with your children about justice and, and joy and these things because, because you're helping them to think about life. You're helping them to, 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 to think about the categories of life. That's what Proverbs is all about. Like, here's some of the categories of life, and here's how different people respond. The simple per person responds and just thinks every good thing's going to turn out right. I don't need to think wisely or carefully about anything. The fool's like, well, I can just do what I want, and, and I'll get what I want. It's foolish, foolish thinking. The scoffer thinks, I can actually mock the people who are doing it the right way. You know what I mean? And that's actually going to bring me joy. And here she's saying, look, you have a responsibility in your life as you, take, as you step into roles and take responsibility for people to think about not just their short-term needs, but their long-term needs. And how do, you, how do you take care of those well? 
And it's arguing here, in a sense, for justice, not the justice of equal outcome, because it's clear here that it's the justice of equal opportunity. Look, provide for people so they can pursue their dreams, they can pursue the opportunities that are in front of them, the, the rights that they have, defend those rights. And that allows people, because not everybody, frankly, wants to have a million dollar income, all these toys in life. They, they, what they really want is, is different, different people want different things out of life. And that's okay. There's different joys that you can pursue. Because God made us all different. But that ultimate joy comes from knowing God, trusting Him, walking with Him through life. And, and you want to prepare your kids to think about life carefully. And that's why, therefore, she's also saying, not, not just notice the need for a compassionate use of drugs and justice, but also to beware the debilitating use of drugs, right? She says, it is not for kings, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. She's like, hey, you can destroy not, not only your own life through alcohol here, but you can destroy others' lives as well. This is echoed in other parts of Proverbs, right? Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Look, this isn't, just because it helps in some circumstances doesn't mean it helps in most circumstances, right? You can be led astray by it. You can be destroyed by it. Proverbs 23, who has, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaining, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine, do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart utter perverse things. You will be like one who, goes, who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on top of a mast. Can you imagine being on a sailboat, getting on the top of the mast, right? And you're just going like this, right? Back and forth, right? He says, um, he says, they struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. You're controlled by the substance rather than using the substance appropriately. And here, here you see a couple of things, right? It's like um, you get too tied into, you're looking at things and, and involved in it too much, in a sense. I, was, I, I saw a clip of... Uh, Man, I'm going to blank on the name. Just Tom. Who's Spider-Man? The most recent Spider-Man? Tom Holland. Is that right? I got it right. Okay, thank you, Nathan. Uh, I, I, Tom Holland, right? He, I saw a clip. He was talking about, um, this guy was saying, okay, so I heard you don't drink. And he, and he was explaining why. He's like, yeah. The, um, he's like, uh, I, I realized that um, I would wake up in the morning and, and I was, it was being, in a sense, controlled by when, when, when could I get to my first drink. I was, I was thinking about, I was planning and thinking and er, er, trying to arrange my life so I could get to my first drink. It was, like, it was like it was taking too much control of my thoughts, my pursuits. And so he said, I said, you know what, I'm going to give it up for a month. He's like, 
He's like, I'm going to try to do that. But he said after a month, he's like, I'm still, it, it, this control is still there. I might have stopped drinking, but my internal desires are still controlled by it, right? So, so I'm going to go two months, two months still. He said, after six months, he says, after six months, I realize I make better decisions without alcohol. I'm happier without alcohol. I, 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 uh, I operate better through my day. I have more energy. He's like, I don't need this. And that's just kind of the way he went through. You know what I mean? And Tom, Tom Holland, right? I mean, he, if anybody's going to be happy, right, in world size, it's him, right? He's Spider-Man. Well, he's not, you know, but you know what I mean. And uh, he's, got, he's on top of the world right now. But just because that's the way everyone else sees you doesn't mean that's what's happening on the inside, on, in your heart. And if you're controlled by something, here it's saying, saying you're, you're going to be destroyed by it, ultimately. It's not that it doesn't have a good use, that God didn't create it with good uses in mind, but we can abuse it. And so a couple of things that come to my, my mind reading through Proverbs 31, these are maybe applications, and you, you, can, you don't want to take these too far, but there's, there's, I think there's wisdom here. The, the first one would be, we, we, we do have doctors now, right? Doctors that prescribe medicine because we realize it's wise to have someone else involved in the prescription process. They're not, they're not priests. They, don't, they, don't, they can't just wait, you know, say, hey, you're okay with God and others. But they, they kind of control the process, right? And you can see from, from Proverbs 31, he's, he's not saying, it's okay, just let, let the masses decide how much they drink or you know, whatever, the poor, or the miserable. It's, 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 it's this relationship that's much, much like a doctor-patient relationship of of give them something to temporarily alleviate their pain. And the problem sometimes is we get into what, what you might call self-medication, right? That, that, that we, we decide what's best for us. And, and then we get into the issue of just how much are we lying to ourselves? How much are, do others view us as trustworthy? Which kind of... And, and I want to be clear here because I want to be compassionate at the same time. There are, you can get into chronic pain situations where you need long-term help with pain. I'm, uh, that is very difficult to live with, and there's, you need help. So let's just let's talk about some of the practical ways that then from Proverbs as a whole as well as Proverbs 31, you'd approach this area. How do you, how do you pursue? And so it goes back to what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. Pursue diligence and integrity. To, to approach this wisely, you need to pursue diligence and integrity. You need to realize that going through life, you're going to have to work at a few things. It's, it's, you, you can't just have joy in life without a little work. But even if you're trapped and you're stuck, there's ways to get out of it. You can pursue in, integrity with diligence and help rebuild the, the process of not lying to yourself. So here's a few things to think about in, re, in regards to how this process should work from a biblical perspective, first of all, I would say pursue community. Pursue community in the sense that even there's studies about this, like they've done studies about people who've been trapped in addiction and, and they're, they're trapped in addiction and they're like, okay, I want to get out. So they get involved in a treatment program. And there's, usually those treatment programs primarily focus on getting you off of the physical dependency. They try to work on the mental side too. Um, 
But, the, but it's, a, it's a tough, tough job, and they don't, there's not always success. And they, they tried a different approach. They tried what they called therapeutic communities, where you involved more people involved in the process, and they usually had some friends or some people that would stay with you through the process of seeking to get off the addiction. And those had some success, but, but what they realized was it didn't necessarily help the addiction side of getting off of the addiction, but it did help with the destruction side of life. Like, people who were in those communities were less destructive of themselves and their lives than those who didn't. And you really do need friends. Proverbs 17 is pretty clear about this, right? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. God put you in community for a reason, not just so you could have fun with your friends, that you can enjoy life with your friends, but so that when you get into trouble, (laughs) and we all do at various times, you could have people around you who could be of help. Here's the opposite, Proverbs 18.1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. You need, you need people in your life. And especially if you're feeling despairing and you're miserable and you're, and you're in pain emotionally and physically, you need people in your life. Don't isolate yourself. You need, and if, if you're noticing someone who is in pain, and whether physically or emotionally, don't let them stay isolated. And you say, well, I'm not in that right now. Okay, so preventative measure, start talking now about things like Proverbs 31. <laughs> talk with your children, talk with your friends about, about what justice looks like and how we... we there's so many times, I think, in our world today, we, we pursue justice more like a Facebook post or an offhand comment, soundbite, quote. Justice, I mean, Proverbs is, is all about justice, and it's 31 chapters long, right? There's a lot to it. Don't, don't be afraid to, to have conversations, especially with your kids, about what does is, what is good righteousness and justice look like, especially in difficult situations, so they realize that there's resources for them when they run into trouble, because we all will run into trouble eventually. So pursue community. You need people in your life. Don't ignore them. And obviously, in, in that sense, I'm saying pursue the right kind of community. You know, as it says... Bad company corrupts good morals, right? Pursue the right kind of community, community that will help you pursue joy and, and justice. Pursue, another thing you can do is, not besides pursuing community, is pursuing self-control. Pursuing self-control. Again, Proverbs 25, 28 says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Again, there's no defense. Pursue self-control. Another verse, Proverbs 16, 32, is the opposite. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules the spirit than he who takes a city. Your own self-control. And we, we live in a world that actually fights against you having self-control. They, they, they want to be like, hey, you know, you want to feel happy? Have, have a 15-second dopamine as you watch this video. And oh, you want another one? Just keep scrolling. Just keep scrolling. You know what I mean? And your brain's like, oh, pretty, and then funny, and then pretty, and then funny, every 15 seconds. That's not self-control. That's, that's, that's close to addiction, frankly. Pursue self-control. Think about your emotions. Because he's saying there, he who rules his spirits, you know what's going on inside of you. You, you pursue that. 
How do you do that? How, how do you do that? Uh, there's a lot of things that go into it, but just, just some, maybe the basic. Here's, here's the basic that you need to think about. Proverbs 23, 1 says, When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe it carefully what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. He's saying that there are things that can be rulers in your life. And a ruler in this sense, in, pro, in these three verses, is someone who's not taking care of you, but someone who wants to take something from you. <laughs> if you've got things like that in your life that are taking something from you rather than taking care of you, he's saying here, be careful. Don't think you can get something out of them. But instead, be brutally honest, right? Understand, he says, for they are deceptive food. Brutal honesty helps with self-control. You're honest with yourself about what you want and your real situation. You're honest with others about how you're handling life. Honesty is the first step in self-control. Because, and, and, and then he says here, okay, that brutal honesty leads to an understanding of my limits. Observe carefully what is before you. This is, this is I know if I go farther than this, I'm in trouble. Different people have different limits, but but the point is you have brutal honesty, you're understanding your limits and saying, this is how I'm going to handle the situation and seeking to pursue that carefully. And then if you run into trouble, go back to community, find a friend, okay? But but here, here the, the importance is to understand that we have, which goes to my last point here about discipline integrity, is we have hope. A lot of times when we get into these issues, and especially when we're feeling emotional and or physical pain, we feel like there's no hope. And obviously there's a lot of people in our world today that at some level feel like there's no hope for their pain. There's no alleviation. There's no way of remediation. And we have, as Christians, we know we have hope because we see the God of this world. We see his love for us. We see how much he cares for us. And he, even in our suffering, we have hope. The, my, my greatest example of that is, is from Proverbs chapter 8, right? Because as Christians, especially as Christians, not just for, for Old Testament believers, but especially as Christians, we know how much God loves us. We know he sent his son to die for us. And in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our trials, we still have hope, hope that does not disappoint, that does not go away because we know the love of God. And that's what he's emphasizing here in Romans chapter 8, right? He says, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us? (laughs) That is, if he sent his son to die for us, (laughs) who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he didn't give us, I mean, it's kind of argument from the greater to the lesser. If he's willing to give us his son, don't you think he's going to give us other things as well? The things we need? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us 
We have our, our, our Savior who died for us is also the one who's sitting at God's right hand, interceding for us, pleading for us, taking care of us. He, he is the best ruler to have because he is out for us, right, to take care of us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as a sheep for the slaughter. And here Paul is acknowledging, he's saying, look, even for Christians we can go through pain. We can be hungry. We can be distressed. We can be persecuted. We can even die. Trouble for Christians doesn't go away just because you trust in Christ. In fact, it sometimes it feels like with our suffering that God is just like, who, you're a Christian now? You can go through suffering. Here you go. You know, I don't care. You'll be okay in the end, right? And it feels like God doesn't care about us. But he goes on to say, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is an amazing truth, Right? Because he's not, what he's saying is, we have victory over everything, and therefore that's why we win. He's saying, in our suffering, even in our, the injustices that, injustices that we experience, we still have hope because God loves us. And this is the hope that we need, even, even when we're facing physical pain and emotional pain, and yes, sometimes we might need drugs for those things, but... But we don't need to be controlled by those drugs. Why? Because we have hope. Hope that does not disappoint. Even in the the sufferings of life, we are more than conquerors. Why is that? Because I don't need my suffering to end to know God loves me. I don't need to have everything work out just perfectly to feel like, oh, my life is good. I, can, I have a God who takes even evil and turns it into good, right? This is context of this passage, right? Just a few verses earlier. And so when I face injustice, when I face persecution, when I face shame and disgrace and people uh, are looking at me and mocking me, I, I know something that, that takes me out of that pain and it places me on a solid rock. What is it? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate me from God's love, even when I'm in pain, even when I'm afraid, even when I feel like I can't, there's too much to handle. Nothing, nothing Nothing, is his point, separates me from the love of God. God still loves me. Oh, man. Isn't that a great truth? To know that in the midst of life, I mean, Jed echoed it again this morning, right? God loved him enough to be like, hey, you know, worry about your finger a little bit. Why? So you can remember, I love you. I got you. You don't got you. You know? Because that's what we want sometimes. So I want to know that I got me. <laughs> I want to know I can handle life. I want to know that I'm okay. I want to know that I'm good. And Paul is saying, and frankly, Lemuel's mom's saying is, there's some, something greater to hope in. 
There's some, something greater to trust in, the love of God. And that's why another passage that comes to mind is, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Christ is going to come back and set things right. So in the meantime, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can go to that God who loves us in prayer. And even when we feel overwhelmed, and even when we might need a few drugs at times, <laughs> there is something we know. We can trust God. We can lean on him. We can know his love. And so, my prayer for us is that we as a family treat compassionately those who are in need, who are feeling emotional and physical pain, that we respond compassionately to those people, that we seek to help them as best we can or point them to people who can. And at the same time as we do that, we point people to the joy and the peace that comes from knowing God loves them. The real... The, we can't promise that every injustice in life will get taken care of, but we can promise them that God will take care of everything in his time and in his way. And they need to know that. They need to experience that. We need to be a community that loves those in misery, speaks up for them, and provides comfort to them. So let us seek to do that. And I don't know, maybe you know some people in your life that are experiencing pain in various ways. Maybe you need to speak up for them. Maybe you need to speak to them. Maybe you need to, just need to pray for them. But we have the privilege of living in a world where God reminds us, hey, I love you, and you need me, <laughs> both of those at the same time. Don't be afraid of that. Why? Because God is preparing a place beyond pain, right, where he's going to wipe away every tear <laughs> and every sorrow, and in the meantime, we get to walk by faith in the love of God. So let's do that together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have hope. And that hope does not disappoint because you pour out your love into our hearts so that we know you love us. And yes, it comes first by faith when we believe it, even when we can't see it yet, because you promise it to us. But we do see it in the person of Jesus Christ going to the cross and dying for our sin, taking our shame and pain and disgrace and death so that we could know you love us. And Lord, some of us go through a lot of pain in various ways, physical, emotional, and Lord, I pray for them that they might know your peace, they might know your love, they might sense your community. They might be able to pursue as best they can in their circumstances self-control and avoiding those things that can take over their lives. But may we know your peace. We thank you for this mom who cared about her son enough to challenge him to walk in wisdom. And we ask for that same wisdom as well. In your son's name, amen.